we learned that Mary uh, traveled a three-day journey from Nazareth to Judah. Uh, she visited her relative Elizabeth uh, to receive confirmation uh, concerning the words uh, she heard from the angel Gabriel. As you recall, concerning Luke chapter 1 and the previous uh, verses that we went over, uh, Mary learned that she would conceive a child by the power of the Holy Spirit, of which her child would be the Son of God. At the time that Mary received this information, she was a teenager. She was probably around the age of 13 or the age of 15 years of age. This is when the angel Gabriel told her that she will receive, uh, conceive a child or the Lord God himself will create a child in her womb without any male assistance. And he told her this, and after telling her that she would conceive a child, he gave her a sign. And the sign that, that he gave her was Elizabeth's pregnancy. According to verse 36, the angel said, Behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. Henceforth, after Mary arrived at Elizabeth's home, Mary received the confirmation that she was seeking. Elizabeth confirmed to Mary that she was to be the mother of the lone-awaited Messiah. Elizabeth's son, John the Baptist, leaped inside his mother's womb, also was a confirmation to Mary that her child that she would give birth to was, still is, the son of God. After Mary received this affirmation, she immediately started singing. She immediately started exalting the Lord. You know, when we think about worship, when we think about how we ought to worship God, you have to think about it from God's perspective. That God demands us to worship him the way he wants us to. God demands us to worship him in spirit and in truth. You and I cannot worship God in sin. We can try, but I don't think that's healthy. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, speaks of Eli's two son, sons, Ophany and Phineas. These two individuals were priests. 
but also they were unregenerate uh, men who treated the sacrifices of the Lord, who did not know the Lord as Scripture puts it. So the Lord caused them to be put to death because they were worshiping the Lord God in sin. You know, you think about worship, I think about Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, who worship the Lord by, who worship the Lord sinfully by offering up strange, unwarranted uh, fire. So the same fire that they offered to the Lord was the same fire that consumed them and put them to death. You see, worship cannot be on our terms. We cannot worship God that the, the way that we want to worship Him. You know, someone told me that they witnessed a female um, professing that this particular female caught the Holy Spirit. After the female caught the Holy Spirit, she uncontrollably got up and ran dead smack into the wall. And this individual reminded me that is not of the Holy Spirit. So people have a, have a desire to worship God, but if we're not worshiping him, According to the way he wants us to worship him, then we'll worship him, worshiping him sinfully. The only genuine way to worship the Lord is by presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable uh, to God, which is our spiritual worship. With this being said, this leads us to our passage this morning. Because here we see Mary worshiping the Lord God after receiving confirmation from Elizabeth. Follow along your Bible. And Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 56, it says, And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And his holy name, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him. And generations to generation, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in their thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those, who, exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things. And the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped 
his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. You know, when we think about worship, we think about different songs, we think about how we ought to come to God. In terms of songs itself, I think about a particular song that has uh, been out for at least 10 years, and that is the song, Faithful is Our God. So I don't know your personal uh, thoughts about that, but when I think about it, is it's a very popular song. And this is what it says. I'm reaping the harvest God's promise to me. Take back what the devil stole from me. And I rejoice today, for I shall recover it all. Yes, I rejoice today, for I shall recover it all. We all know this song. I have not a great personal issue with this song, but when I think about how Mary exalted the Lord in song, it is far different what from what that particular song that I just mentioned to you. True worship starts from within. True worship is an eternal act of expression for believers to genuinely worship God. He or she must worship him from their heart, not just from their mind. Uh, and it is important to know that when we are worshiping God, we should be mindful of what we're actually saying, what we're communicating, what we are internally thinking about when we worship God. Mary said in verse 46, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. I find it very interesting because in verse 46, the English word soul translates to where we get the word psyche from. It, it talks about uh, a person's emotions and their psychological faculties. A person's uh, psyche is the makeup of who you are. It is what causes you to think and to act. It is, it is the makeup of your personality. Therefore, when... Mary, as we see in the text, says that she is praising the Lord. She is actually saying she's praising the Lord with every fiber of her being. She's saying that all that I am, I will magnify the Lord with. Luke is communicating to us. That Mary 
wasn't pretending to worship the Lord, nor was she being hypocritical. Um, I want you to know, and I think you already know, that hypocrisy takes different forms. A person who is hypocritical usually pretends to be genuinely committed in what they're doing or what they are saying. Listen to me. Listen to me. Let us be mindful that we too can be hypocritical when it comes to worship. Let us be mindful that when we are worshiping God, there is a form of hypocrisy that can take place. I know this to be true. This is why I know, because sometimes when I come here or when I go to any other church, my heart and my mind is not always where, I ought, to, where it ought to be. It's not genuine. I'm just going through the motions. I'm just pretending as if I'm worshiping God, although the actual words of a worship song is coming out of my mouth. That's not where my heart is. That is hypocrisy. As we can talk, we can use that same line of thought when it comes to the preaching of God's word. Day in and day out, we can come here and sit. But at the same time, when we need to listen intently, our heart and our minds are somewhere else. In other words, hypocrisy is going through the motions. It is doing something out of duty instead of genuineness. This is why the Lord Jesus said, This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts is far from me. In vain do they worship me. But not Mary. Not Mary. Mary so magnified the Lord and her spirit rejoiced in her God and Savior. Sometimes when you read these two words, soul and spirit, they are interchangeable. And also in the Greek language, but not here in this text. When we think about a person's uh, spirit, it is not the physical body, it's the immaterial individual. When I tell my wife, it is, uh, when she asks me about do I have the key, sometimes I tell her um, it's not on my person, my body. So the ideal is that I'm speaking from my spirit, identifying my physical body. Nevertheless, I'm glad Mary uh, mentioned the word spirit because it illustrates sincere 
worship. So that is to say, only true believers can worship the Lord in spirit. Here is what I mean. I turn to John chapter 4, verse 19 through 24. John chapter 4, verse 19 through 24. This, you remember the story about Jesus and the Samaritan woman. This is Jesus asking a Samaritan woman something to drink. But we're going to pick up in this particular story about worship. And this is the conversation between Jesus, our Lord, and the Samaritan woman. In verse 19, it said, The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worship on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Verse 21, Jesus said to him, I mean to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. This is important to, for us to understand, because an atheist cannot worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. A Muslim, Jehovah Witness, a Mormon, and any other pagan religion cannot worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. They cannot worship God, the Father, in spirit and truth because they do not have the Holy Spirit testifying that they belong to the Father. This is what Scripture says. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you do not receive a spirit of slavery, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by whom we cry, Abba, Father. According to Romans chapter 8, verse 15. So in verse 48, going back to Luke chapter 1, verse 48, Mary said, For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on generations will call me blessed. She is not only worshiping the Lord in spirit and truth, but she is also worshiping the Lord in humility. She is also worshiping the Lord in humility. Mary demonstrates to us that we must 
worship the Lord in a very humble perspective or a humble stance. You know, when she received the confirmation from Elizabeth about she's going to be the mother of of the Son of God, the long awaited Messiah, she could have boasted about that. She could have been prideful about being the mother of the long awaited Messiah. But that is not Mary. You know, in her time in the first century, many women were boastful about having children because it provided for them a level of respect. If you were a barren woman in the first century, you were considered as cursed. And Mary's humility demonstrates to us that we ought to be humble when we worship. You know, I mentioned to you that only believers in the Lord Jesus can worship God in spirit and truth. And I want to reiterate this point. Because when we worship the Lord, we are communicating the truthfulness of God's character. For example, we know that God is all-knowing, loving, merciful, compassionate, forgiving. And so on. One truthful attribute that Mary describes here, and it describes the entirety of God's character, is his holiness. And in verse 49, Mary rightly sings, God is mighty. God who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. Holy is his name. Whenever angels are singing and worshiping the Lord God, they are saying, Holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty. The point is this, songs of praise ought to be theologically correct. Any song that do not accurately communicate the truth of God ought not to be a worship song. Or should not be a song of praise. Because you are not communicating the truthfulness of God. Uh, Thursday, uh, Vic asked me uh, to swing by the church after praise rehearsal. It was me, Vic, Liz, and my wife. And there is a good song that Vic pits out. But it's just one particular word that, that, is, that has been said that doesn't accurately define who God is. This is not a slight at Vic, because me and him was going back and were just communicating 
is it should we or should we not sing this song? So the, the point is this. When Mary is worshiping and praising God, she is communicating the truth of God because her spirit is testifying who God is. Who God is. Another thing that we see in Mary's song of praise is in verses 50 through 53. And that is, he is merciful, the mercy of God. This is what Mary said, and his mercy is for those who Hear him, and from generation to generation he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. Of humble estate. When I want you to just glance at verse 46 and look at the word servant. In verse 40, I'm sorry, in verse uh, 48, the word servant is there. Mary said, look on the humble estate of his servant. That particular word is, in Greek, it literally means slave or bond slave. It's the feminine uh, pronunciation when you're going to say female slave. Mary used this in a positive sense by calling herself a female slave. And I think this is remarkable because she is submitting to her God in a way that defines her life. Think about it. God could have chosen anyone else to be the Messiah, uh, the mother of the Messiah. But he chose Mary. Because she humbled herself. So when we talk about worship, when we talk, when we come before God's throne, even in prayer, We should have a sense of humility. Our hearts ought to be in in a place where we're humbling ourselves, knowing that God is greater than we. Anytime that a song elevates man over God, it's not a worship song. In fact, when I hear songs like that, it pees me to doubt. Because it ought to be that we should have a high view of God and a low view of man. And this is what we see in Mary's song of praise. Because she is singing. She is lowering herself 
to a position of which she wasn't really a slave, but she's calling herself a slave, a female slave. This is what Scripture says in James chapter 4, verse 6, when it talks about pridefulness. James said, but God resists the proud, but give grace to the what? The humble. He resists the proud, but give grace to the humble. And I am sure that Mary had in mind of the long-awaited Messiah. This is, I'm sure she was very familiar with Scripture because her song is very similar to Hannah's song. Her song is very familiar to Anna, when Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, if you turn back to 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 1, I believe, um, Hannah said, my soul exalts the Lord. My soul exalts the Lord. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. You can look at it if you want. So this is a female this is a female who or around the age of 13 to 15 years old knew about scripture cuz in that time scripture wasn't readily available to anyone it wasn't as if she had a bible sitting on her bookshelf and i have to admit i have at least 7 bibles <laughs> But for Mary, Scripture was expensive to purchase. So she heard it regularly in the synagogue. So the ideal here is Mary knew that the long-awaited Messiah was to come, but she didn't have any idea until it was told to her that the long Messiah was going to go through her first. She was going to be a channel of which God was going to use. So she bursts in singing a song of humility. When it comes to the mercy of God, we also got to think about God's faithfulness. We were just thinking waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light of the darkness. My God, that is who you are. So we've seen songs like that. And this is exactly what Mary was singing in verses 54 through 56. This is what he was singing. He said, I mean, she said, he has help. Let's go back a little bit. Let's go to 52 to 56. He has 
brought down the mighty from the thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offering forever. In verse 56, And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. Faithfulness is what we see here in verses 54 and 56 because she is not only talking about the Savior, but she's remembering God's faithfulness to his people. This is why she mentioned Abraham. This is why she is saying that he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. I, I think this is, I think we should look at it from Mary's perspective. And here's the reason why Mary could have received capital punishment by death if she if anyone would have really known that she was pregnant at the time she was betrothed to joseph so despite her circumstances despite what she faced she still burst out in a song of praise she still talked about who god is his mercy, and his faithfulness. I wonder, when you are singing, are you being genuine in your song? Whatever circumstances that you are facing, are you still singing out of a genuine heart and mind and, ev- and everything that you know of God just consumes you to the point where you have nothing else in you that you just have to sing a song of praise? Have you ever sung a song that made you emotionally conscious? One of my favorite songs that I sing, and it brings me to tears, is Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. Save a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Let us be mindful from here and from now on, the songs that we sing to the Lord, making sure that they are theologically correct, making sure that they are communicating the truth of God, making sure that these songs has a low view of man and a high view 
of God's. Lastly, what I want to mention, and I think it's very important, is even in this song right here that Mary was singing, it communicated the truth of Jesus Christ. It communicated the gospel in song. Why do I say that? Number one, Mary called herself a female slave. Scripture explicitly say that for those who were bought with a price or uh, we, were, we were bought from one thing to another, we were in sin. So it, it points to a condition of, of who we once were. Not who we are now, but who we once were. So when we think about the gospel and we think about songs, here is what I see. That God sees us in a condition where we cannot save ourselves. And until we recognize and acknowledge that of who he is, that he is holy, and the knowledge that we are in desperate need and come to him in a humble way, and we were never, in a sense, until we acknowledge that, we would never understand the truthfulness of the gospel. We would never understand that God reached down to us in a condition where he had to wipe us clean and save us, that he helped us to be humble before him, and now he put a song in our hearts and on on our lips to sing a new song before him. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that we can come before your throne. And I pray that we will always speak and preach and sing the truthfulness of who you are. Uh, Lord, I pray for those who do not have a new song in their hearts, that you have not placed it there, that you would give them one. I pray that for those who who do cannot communicate the truth of who you are or worship you in spirit and in truth, that you will convict them of their sins so they too can come before you in a humble way. And for those who know you and for those who call you, Father, I pray that we will forever praise you and not be hypocritical about it. Lord, minister to your people. 
And I pray this in your son's name. Amen. Amen.